This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 29th, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. One of the key platform planks of the campaigns to legalize marijuana is tax revenue. Jeff Myron, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and co-author of the Cato study, The Budgetary Impact of Ending Drug Prohibition, argues that money for the government is not exactly the strongest argument for legalizing pot. So a frequently made argument uh, is that if we were to legalize marijuana, that we would both reduce expenditure for police who make arrests, for prosecutors involved in the cases, for uh, prison incarcerations, for people who are locked up for marijuana charges. And on the other side of the budgetary ledger, we'd collect some tax revenues by taxing marijuana like other goods or even more by taxing them like alcohol, tobacco. And that's, of course, completely valid. If it's true legalization, if the market comes completely out of the shadows and is like other businesses, we will both save the expenditure and generate the tax revenues. The question is, is the magnitude of that huge or is it relatively modest? That was one of the explicit arguments that was made during the uh, legalization uh, struggle in Washington and Colorado was we could let cops focus on these other things. We'll make money for the schools, et cetera, et cetera. This was like one of the planks of the the platform to legalize. Right. The budgetary benefits have been a frequent plank in the argument, specifically in the two states that just voted to legalize marijuana, where it's an important plank emphasized, if anything, much more when California considered a legalization initiative in in 2010. That one failed. Um, And my concern is that while, of course, there will be budgetary benefits, those benefits can easily be exaggerated. They are not a cure for all of our budgetary woes by any stretch. After all, marijuana is one product in our economy out of thousands, tens of thousands of products. In terms of how many people use it and how big it is, it seems much smaller than alcohol. Changing whether, if you magically mean alcohol not exists, it wouldn't change the overall budgetary picture of any economy to that dramatic a degree. It's just one product. One of the facets that that you and I talked about before we started recording is that, first of all, in at least one of these two states, you can have three plants in your home. And uh, for marijuana aficionados, that might be a more attractive option than going to the store. For sure. There's homegrown versions of lots of goods. A few people make their own beer, grow their own tomatoes in the backyard and things like that. For marijuana, even more, you would expect that if there was any continued absence of full legality, if there are any issues at all, a lot of the production is going to stay inside people's backyards or in their attics or basements. So you're not going to collect any tax revenue on that at all. And the federal government seems very unlikely to say, these legalizations in these two states are completely fine. We're not going to interfere at all. Of course, there's always going to be some risk. So a lot of the activity is going to stay in the shadows. And that means the tax revenue side of this budgetary benefit is probably quite modest and maybe very close to zero. Okay, but there's the other side of the ledger, which is that cops uh, no longer have to put uh, marijuana users or dealers in jail. Well, perhaps to some extent they will still be uh, dealing with dealers. But uh, that should clear away a great deal of, of police resources for uh, reappropriation. Absolutely. The elimination of the laws against marijuana in those states releases criminal justice resources from police, prosecutors, prisons for other uses. Again, it's not likely to be such a huge magnitude. Marijuana arrest 
mainly are these days incidental to some other activity. You were shoplifting, you robbed a liquor store, you got caught deep with DUI, and you had a joint in your pocket. So most of those other, the other side of that is still going to continue. We're not going to get huge savings and reduction of arrest, and very few people go to to jail for marijuana possession. It's only for for high-level dealers, and there just aren't a huge number of those. Whether we see even small reductions in benefits has to do with the fact that um, it depends on whether we actually lay off police and close prisons and you know so on in order to see those budgetary benefits. I think a lot of jurisdictions are going to be hesitant about that. So what we might see instead is those police resources will be better allocated if we don't have the marijuana laws. And that's certainly a plus, but again means saying we're solving the world's budgetary ills by legalizing is a strong exaggeration. It's not the right way to sell marijuana legalization. There are a bunch of other arguments that are much more important. The federal government still has many arrows in its quiver with respect to how to enforce federal laws in these two states. They could attack uh, banks that are providing financing. They could attack landlords and send letters basically saying, you know, you're violating federal law by letting this business operate. So uh, your suggestion that perhaps a lot of these uh, businesses will remain partially in the shadows is is a good one. So how should we make this argument then? I mean, what if, if revenue or changing budgets for governments isn't the isn't the best argument? Where do we go? Well, I think the argument has to start with the idea that people should be allowed to do what they want unless they're harming others. That's the standard libertarian perspective. Of course, it applies to producing, consuming marijuana. And that's the single biggest effect of legalizing it is all the people who are currently use it, other people who would like to use it if it were legal, will be free to do so without worrying about being arrested or hassled or any of those things. There are other concrete benefits. There is some violence that's created by driving the market underground. There's reduction in product quality uh, because the market is a black market. There is infringements on civil liberties that occur because trying to enforce victimless crimes uh, always means you have to use more intrusive tactics uh, and racial profiling and things like that. So the budgetary benefits should be on the list of benefits, but it's probably number eight or ten. It's not number you know one through five. And I think even less pro-legalization people stand up and just say clearly, we think people should be allowed to do what they want with respect to smoking marijuana and most other things as well. We're not going to really significantly and permanently convince the rest of society and achieve a lasting change in policy. Eric Holder and President Obama have said almost nothing, really. Uh, they've, they've done very little signaling, it seems, about what, they, uh, what the federal policy will be going forward. But um, to the extent that they say very little, other states could jump on board and say, hey, look, let's go ahead and do this. Oregon tried it in this most recent election cycle. Uh, what impact would that have? Well, if the federal government were to be basically hands-off, I don't think they will announce that they are just going to be 100% hands-off, but they might in practice be relatively close. Then I think a number of other states will probably follow suit. Uh, there are several that are considering initiatives for 2014, such as Oregon, California, some others. And the more that happens then, the more pressure there may be on the federal government to finally change policy, but that really takes an act of Congress to fully and completely uh, change the policy at the federal level. Um, but of course, still means that the revenues that uh, Washington and Colorado are going to get are going to be affected by other states getting into the act and taking some of the business away from those two states. You're the guy who's been creating estimates of uh, the budgetary impact 
of uh, essentially ending the war on drugs and specifically with regard to to marijuana. So what does that say about the work that you've done so far? So I have very mixed feelings about doing that work. I do not mean it to be the main argument. The reason I've done it is that I've observed several times that when I don't do it, when I don't provide what seems to me like a plausible estimate of what the budgetary benefit would be, other people do it and they provide estimates that, in my judgment, are extremely exaggerated. They're way, way, way too large. And I fear that that will ultimately discredit the overall argument because there'll be the promise of hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue. And when hardly any revenue comes in, then it looks like the pro-legalization side has manufactured something, has promised something that they knew was wrong. That's why I do it, to try to keep us to a reasonable number that has some credibility. Jeff Myron is co-author of the Cato study, The Budgetary Impact of Ending Drug Prohibition. You can get your copy at Cato.org.